why do people like stories? I don't know. I'll just keep telling them. They do something that other things in life don't do. The amazement of art, where we need it and we're dazzled by it. We're convinced by it. We love stories. Thank you for tuning in to the Global Novel. I'm Claire Hennessy. In 1886, a 26-year-old Anton Chekhov was publishing short stories, humor pieces, and articles at an astonishing rate, and was still a practicing physician. Yet, as he honed his craft and continued to draw inspiration from the vivid characters in his own life, he found himself, to his surprise and occasional embarrassment, admired by a growing legion of fans, including Tolstoy himself. He had not yet succumbed to the ravages of tuberculosis. He was a lively, frank, and funny correspondent, and a dedicated mentor. And as Bob Listell discovers, his vivid articles, stories, and plays from this period, when read in conjunction with his correspondence, become a psychological and emotional diary. From the literary scholar and acclaimed author of Creating Anna Karenina comes the new book this year. Chekhov becomes Chekhov: The Emergence of a Literary Genius. Bob Listell astutely examines the psychological portraits of Chekhov's distinct, carefully observed characters, and how they reflect their creator during a period when there was little barrier between his imagination and his pen. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to the Global Novel to talk about your new book. Thank you, Claire. It's my pleasure. Well, what does the title of the book "Chekhov Becomes Chekhov" encapsulate? Thank you for that question. It's Before Chekhov was, as you said, he's 26 years old when my book starts in New Year's Eve, 1885. But he was publishing stories under a pen name. He was a doctor, and he wanted to save his proper name, Anton Chekhov, for his medical publications and for his medical reputation. So he, as many other writers, he was writing for a literary section of a newspaper, and he was writing for humor magazines.、Uh, many of the writers used pen names, and he used his favorite one was Antosha Chehonte. So part of the point of the title is this was the the year where, at the insistence of a publication that had a literary reputation, and that gave him the opportunity to write longer stories. The publisher said, "Oh, you gotta. We gotta use your real name, Anton Chekhov." He did it reluctantly, but、uh, he was persuaded, and the money was better, and so he became known as Anton Chekhov. He had many colleagues who did not know he was a writer, and also this opportunity came to him at the beginning of 1886 of writing for the literary publication, and having a wider and more literary audience made him known as. Chekhov. He was already known as Antosha Chehonte. He was read because of that name. This is the year where he became known by his own real name. What a great story! Could you give us a few highlights on the domestic, financial, and romantic problems that the author himself had gone through in life, that are revisited, replayed, and reflected in his famous plays or short stories? So much happens in these two years. I'll mostly limit it to that. His famous plays—he's not going to write for another ten years. 
110 stories in these next two years, real short stories. I mean, some of them, they'll be eight pages and others are 20. I would say about 40 of them are remarkable, wonderful Chekhov stories. My other point is that he became completely mature at age 26. And he already was a great artist at age 26. He had written some great stories in his earlier 20s as well. But uh, he wrote so many in these first couple of years. And that's partly why I was attracted to these two years. I kept reading in Russian editions and noticing that, oh, this is a really good story. But it was published in 1886. This one is 1887. And I kept finding those two dates. And I wondered how this was possible. But he just wrote so many. And so many were, were outstanding. And he didn't have time to think about it. He just was cranking them out. He had office hours for his medical practice uh, every morning, six days a week. He did house calls when necessary, which he didn't like because uh, he charged so little that the expense of getting across Moscow really ate up his fee. Uh, he also had a lot of friends who got an expected free medical service. He had a big family and they all expected free medical service. He had been making money ever since he was in medical school by writing, and so he just kept writing. He really wanted to be a doctor. He didn't think he would keep writing, but of course he did, and became really the, the second most famous writer in Russia by the 1990s, well, second only to Tolstoy, with whom he became friends. They were very different from each other, but loved their differences. In those first two years also, almost immediately, his family liked having big parties. He had grown up in a southern town called Takendrok on the Black Sea, and his father was a merchant, but not a very good merchant, and went bankrupt. And Chekhov held on to what property the family could keep, and he finished his high school by tutoring in Takendrok, while the rest of the family went north to Moscow. And he sent money to his family to help support them with the tutoring that he was doing. He was the most responsible uh, member of the family. And so the financial burden was on him. His two older brothers were very talented, but not responsible. His father was a harsh man and not good uh, with money. And so he had to be the one who took control of the finances from really the time he arrived in Moscow at 19. And he made the money by, by writing. They liked parties. Uh, for his name day party, name days are like, like birthdays, slightly different. They had a big party. Uh, he has one sister who was a teaching student. One of her friends came to the party he, and he knew her. And they seemed to have gotten engaged. Chekhov's friends were getting engaged or married, and he got complicatedly involved with this bright, interesting woman named Dunya Efros. But they were squabbling almost continually, like young couples do. Their engagement wasn't very public because they themselves didn't know how serious it was. They were in and out of it over the next several months. To Chekhov's credit, even though he did a couple of jerky things, they remained friends for the rest of their lives. With almost all the women that he became involved with, 
they remained friends. That seems to me to say a lot about him. He only married when he was 39. He was dying of tuberculosis. He died at 44. He wanted children, and they didn't have children. But he was a great man, a good man. Well, we all know that Anton Chekhov is undoubtedly the most famous writer in Russia, other than Tolstoy. Could you tell us what the major focus is in this Chekhov biography, and what's different from other biography, chronicle, or collection of letters of Chekhov?、Uh, what's different is the the narrow focus, admittedly narrow focus on these two years. And while、well, Tolstoy was writing Anna Karenina over four years, I was wondering what else could Chekhov possibly have been doing besides writing? There's so much output. You know, news, newspaper articles, as you pointed out, but stories and stories and stories, two or three a week.、Um, how could he do it? And、um, what it led me to. There's not a lot of details about what he was doing, but it led me to go. Well, what this, he was doing was the stories, and the stories are part of his his life that he was writing to the season. He was writing to the holiday, but by knowing everything from the biographies in English and Russian, and from knowing all his letters at the time, it was clear he was writing spontaneously out of his own life. Even though none of the characters he would admit came from him,、um, but all of the characters, I finally conclude, especially or even the the worst characters. They had some part of him that he put in, because that's how he could understand them, and why we understand some very unpleasant characters in his stories. It's not so much he identified with them as he understood them through his own experience or through his kind of wayward brothers or his violent father. He was a very controlled person, but many of the characters in the stories are people who are out of control. And no one ever saw Chekhov out of control, but he knew them, and he showed us his own understanding of his family through those very difficult characters and through a very difficult family that he was keeping together. So he let things out in the stories that he didn't let out in person. That was something I learned. His letters are wonderful. Everybody who reads Chekhov's letters knows this wonderful man. But they're very different from the stories because every letter he ever wrote, he made personal, and he always wrote just to that person he was writing to. He engages with them and makes lots of jokes. And with his brothers, he can be very, very harsh and funny. And with his friends, he's very teasy. And with、uh, his romantic interest, he's he's very flirty. But it's always very personal. The stories, on the other hand, he steps back, and he's got an audience, and it's like he's writing these scenes that are coming through his imagination. It's like we're we're watching a play with him when he's writing the stories, and it's as if he was writing some of them so fast he didn't know how they were going to work out. He was writing and describing what was happening in his head. Not what he wanted to happen, but just what happened, and that was a surprise and of interest.
And I hope that's what comes through in the book, that he's an artist working very artfully, but really fast, not watching himself. And so kind of discovering the best stories as he's writing them. And he could get into writing mode so quickly. He could write one sentence, then two sentences, and he's got us and himself into the scene. I have always loved Chekhov since I first read him when I was 21. I felt like I never appreciated him enough until I concentrated on these the stories of those two years and the, mostly on the stories. Right. Well, Anton Chekhov earned his reputation in world literature through the English translations of his short stories and plays that have truly become the global model of everyday comedy and tragedy. Could you share a few insights of the afterlife of his work in the Anglophone-speaking world? He would have been surprised. So in his lifetime, he was translated, but not into English until uh, there were maybe three or four stories that were published while he was alive into English. And uh, he'd been published a few stories into German or French, but he was not a, a big Russian figure. He was not Turgenev. He was not Tolstoy or Dostoevsky. There were a few little collections before Constance Garnett started one collection, and then uh, they were very popular, and so she did another and another, and she ended up doing 13 and 199 stories. They have become, yes, as you said, and in most European languages, the Russian short story writer, the one of the models of what a short story is and how they work. He wrote so many different kinds, though, that it's good to read a lot of them so you appreciate how varied they are. The Chekhov story could be so many different things. He didn't write in a rut, and the focus usually is on character and not on clever plot. He used clever plots for the very funny humor skits, but for the most part, they're driven by the drama of a, of a scene. The closest thing to his short stories are his plays, but the stories have more of him beside us. And that's my feeling about reading Chekhov's stories, is he's, he's this person making sense of and making little remarks about what's going on in front of us. I, I, and I, I feel when I'm reading some of the famous plays, I'm wondering where he is. I need his voice more than I get. But the plays are, are fantastic for actors. Actors have to do what Chekhov did in the stories. They have to give it the humor and the pathos and the, and the drama. But we get it all in the stories. Right. He's there with us. Mm-hmm. Is there any unexpected discovery in researching Chekhov's life that guides us towards a new way of reading his works? I think it's kind of understanding why... It's like having those moments in your life where you understand why I love that person. Uh, that was the experience for me in doing the book. This is why he's great. And it's a kind of reading a whole bunch of them in a row. You see how, in some way, how easily he turned them out and how marvelously he turned them by reading the stories and the letters at the same time. Sometimes you realize, you see one of the, for instance, unlikable characters saying the almost exact same thing that Chekhov had said in a letter to a friend. Um, Or you see a character, a doctor, for instance, in a situation that Chekhov 
had been in, but he, instead of it being a doctor, it's a nurse who's delivering the babies, a midwife. And so he gives her, not a man like himself, a writer. He gives other people his experiences, which is one of the lessons that he tried to give his brother, his older brother who wrote a lot of stories. Don't write about your own experience. If you had an experience, but give it to a little boy, give it to an old lady, give it to somebody who is, you're not going to protect somebody who's, who's got a nasty temper. Give it to somebody not like you, but have them go through it. And so his lessons about, I, I was very aware of his lessons about writing from his wonderful letters, from having read his letters for the last 40 years. And here in the stories, I could see, ah, this is how he's making the lessons about how to write from experience. He disingenuously denied that he had anything to do with any of the characters in the stories, or that his friends who recognized themselves were actually in the stories. Look, you're 24, but the character in the story is 36. It's completely different. Even though the character, the friend, could recognize him or herself. And when he wrote about family matters, very difficult family matters, he would, all right, yes, my family has six children, but this family, the girl is the oldest, not the fifth youngest. Oh, and the father is not a merchant, he's a farmer. But the brutal scenes that he depicts are certainly, they're coming out of his own unhappy experience in the family. Right. Well, what does Chekhov's childhood trauma mean for the future to be literary giant when he was in the creating process? That's what his friends and family wondered about, too. As a boy, his older brother, who wrote a very nice memoir about him, his youngest brother also wrote a very nice memoir about him. They thought he had a miserable childhood. The father was a tyrant. He made Chekhov as a boy cover the clerking at the store uh, after school into the night. He demanded that his three oldest sons, Chekhov was the third son, practice their singing all the time. For the church, his older brother said Chekhov didn't have a childhood. He writes wonderfully and sympathetically about children, and it's often about their troubling experiences. And how he, this is something we wonder about people in our life, how coming from that experience has he become such a good person, someone who never does the, practices the abuse that he suffered. Chekhov was one of those people. Right. In your book, you mentioned that Chekhov is incomparable to other Russian writers of his time. What do you think makes Chekhov uniquely Chekhov? Well, I like that question because it, it brings me back to that um, incomparable because that was really Tolstoy's assessment. Tolstoy reading this young guy whose father had been born a serf, whose grandfather had bought the family out of serfdom by being a kind of what Chekhov called a slave driver. How this young guy could just throw the words on the page and make this amazing picture. Tolstoy didn't care for Impressionism, but he was kind of describing Chekhov's manner as a writer, as this Impressionistic manner. Tolstoy, who knew all of Russian literature, had really never seen anything like what Chekhov was doing, appreciated it. 
I particularly loved、uh, Chekhov's humor, which Tolstoy thought was the rarest of all literary qualities, and that Chekhov had it, which is why Tolstoy didn't particularly like Chekhov's plays because they they didn't seem to him funny. Which Chekhov, Chekhov wanted those plays to be fun. He wanted people to laugh at those great famous plays, and it didn't it didn't quite work like that. And so after Chekhov, practically in in all the languages, after he became famous and renowned through the world,、uh, half the writers who have success are compared to Chekhov. Before Chekhov, there was no Chekhov. After Chekhov. Everyone's compared because his greatness was something people wanted and would like to be. Right. So, what are some important biographical information that are major indicators of Chekhov's great imagination at play?、Uh, one of my favorite stories. It's called Home, and it's about a recently widowed father. He's a lawyer. He's a prosecuting attorney. He comes home to his seven-year-old boy, who's being taken care of by a governess, and the governess is really upset that Seryosha, the boy, was smoking the cigarette, and she insisted that the father have a talking with the boy. And so the prosecuting attorney father, having to deal with his own widowhood, his wife has recently died, the boy's mother has recently died. Tries to scold and teach the boy you shouldn't smoke, and the boy completely disarms him. The boy just asks natural <laughs> questions, and the father is realizing: How do you convince a kid of anything? How do you talk to children?、Mm-hmm. Chekhov talked very well、right. with children. The father, in all these ways, the main character, the boy is also. Two main characters,、um, completely unlike Chekhov. And then, as the story keeps going on, and the father tries to make his points, it's so easy in court, but it's very hard with children. This is the problem for all parents. I mean, things are very simple and clear <laughs> in life, but how to、mm-hmm. how to tell your own children and teach your own children is is such a challenge. The boy. Pretends that he's got the lesson, but we know he hasn't really got the lesson. Why he shouldn't smoke?、Uh, other people smoke. He asks the father to tell him a story, and of course, you would think here's where Chekhov intersects with the lawyer. But the lawyer doesn't know how to tell a story. But since the mother has died, he's been taking over that, and so he starts to tell a ridiculous story, and in that. We do see Chekhov's going. You don't know how to tell a story. You just start telling it, and the father is rolling out silly story, and he realizes that when he says certain things and he gets through the story, the boy is starting to be impressed, even though the story is very silly, and he realizes he's caught the boy's attention, just as Chekhov has caught our attention, and spins it out, and the boy learns his lesson. Through a very lame story, and the father is thinking, "Why are we so affected by stories? They're so effective, but they shouldn't be. They're not logical." There, I see、right. Chekhov's identification—not not, again, not identification so much as 
his experience of like, why do people like stories? I don't know. I'll just keep telling them they do something that other things in life don't do. The amazement of art, where we need it and we're dazzled by it. We're convinced by it. We love stories. What are the most valuable lessons that one can learn from the making of a literary giant, not just for literary critic and aspiring novelist alike, but for perhaps every one of us? In his second year, when he's 27, he's taken up mentoring an older woman who's a writer, and she, her family owns the summer place where the Chekhov family, where he rents the the Chekhov's family summer cabin. Uh, he mentors her. He, he mentors his older brother. You think I have time? No, he didn't have any time, and he used whatever time he could fight for and make and write the stories and write them to the end and write them honestly, painstakingly, but very fast. His famous advice of you want to know how to write a short story,、uh, write a hundred and then get back to me. Go do it, and then.、Um, That's how you learn. So,、right. the making of excuses. When we see in these years, he's a doctor. He's providing for the whole family, and he's writing incredibly great、uh, stories at a fantastic rate. No excuses. That's a good one, I think, for for most of us. You want to do something, don't give yourself an an out. A reason why you can't do it yet、mm-hmm. or now, and do it. You can do it. That is a great insight. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing with us the wisdom of your new book, Bob. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much, Claire. It was very nice to talk to you. If you like this episode, you can show your support through theglobalnovel.com/donate, so we can keep making academic education and literature accessible to more and more listeners of the world. Thank you so much for listening.